Hello, everyone. Welcome to Reservations. We are your hosts. I'm Rain Whalen. And you know what, Rain? I think he is guilty. Oh, fuck. Yeah. You, again, again, with the shoehorning yeah. of the, what the episode is. Yeah. Um... I don't know. I just, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I like it. I'm if you don't. Well, uh, w- welcome back, everyone. Um, welcome to the finale of uh, Stage to Screen. And not only that, Rain, it is the season two finale. Yes. As well. Um, now, I, I kind of wanted to wait till we were further <clears throat> into the episode, but I figured, uh, you know, last week we said we had a special announcement to make and. I'm going to go ahead and make it now. So, as Jeremy mentioned, this is the Season 2 finale, as well as the finale for uh, Stage to Screen. Um, but, unlike how we started Season 2, right after we ended Season 1, we will be actually taking a bit of a break for a little while. Yeah, not so long. I mean, it'll be a couple weeks. Yeah, uh, me and my wife are going to be moving into a new apartment. Um, where Jeremy and I will have a whole room to record, and wow. hopefully, maybe the sound quality might be a little better. Yeah, we that'd be nice. Yeah, um, and so you know, we're just gonna take a little time to, you know, me and Ashley get moved into the new apartment, get the new uh, media room all set up, mm-hmm. and then we'll be back in it with season three. Season three. Season trace. That is trio. But yeah, oof, oof, and we haven't even started packing yet. I've noticed. I know. I keep telling her, I'm like, hey, we need to start going through stuff. Yeah. But see, I can't get really mad at her because I'm not going through anything either. Right. So <laughs> I can't be like, hey, we're not going through stuff when I'm when I'm over here like, okay, Assassin's Creed. I have to beat this level. <laughs> oh God. But yeah, so you know, uh, if if a lot of our loyal listeners, Dad. Joel Schumacher. Uh, if you don't get an episode after, you know, this one, uh, nothing's wrong. Just just taking a bit of a break. We're taking a very small hiatus. You know, and I honestly, I think it'll be good because, you know, we've been kind of going ham for the last couple months. We have. Yeah. So I think it'll be good to have uh, just, just a brief little break mm-hmm. just to kind of recharge everything. And then we'll get right back into it. And go ham again. Well, you know, when uh, when people ask me, like, hey, Jeremy, do you have any plans for the weekend? I go, well, you know, I got the podcast, and, you know, that's, that's pretty much it. Now it's going to be like, do you have any plans for the weekend? I'm going to be like, no. Nah. <laughs> this nope. was it. This was it for a while. This is nah. what I had to do. Do, do you, do you want to do something? P- please? <laughs> Why? Do you, are you going to do something? I don't know. Most of the time, I don't want to do anything. Nah. Neither do I. <laughs> but, yeah, so, um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, we'll. Uh, Hiatus. I would say um, let's go ahead and, and, you know, jump into the finale of Stage to Screen. Let's do it. Um, with 12 Angry Men, mm-hmm. 1957. And before we really get into it, Jeremy, because I told you this off mic, this movie is definitely a movie of the 1950s mm-hmm. just because of everything that happens into it. Uh, everyone is so stubborn in this movie. Uh, not to mention uh, the blatant racism. Yeah. <laughs> and so the whole time I was watching, I enjoyed it. As I told you uh, off mic, I loved it. Absolutely loved it. Yeah. Very engaged, but I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, and it's a short movie, too. It's about an hour and 30 minutes. I wasn't expecting that. Yeah, because um, – Yeah, and, and the time flies by because you're just – you know, it is sort of in the same vein as, you know, way back when when we talked about 
the Sunset Limited, mm-hmm. uh, it essentially is just a conversation or an argument in this case. And um, I think because there's more people to talk this time, yeah. you don't really feel the time. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, I've, you know, in... In us doing this for so long, I've learned that in the 50s, it was either one of two things. Movies were way longer than they should have been or not as long. Mm-hmm. And I felt like this movie, when I saw that it was only an hour and a half, I was like, oh, it's only it's only an hour and a half. I expected it to be longer, but yeah. I felt like it was the right amount yeah, of time. So, yeah. well, uh, I will let you give the brief synopsis sure. since I'm terrible at them. That's okay. Um... It is, um, of course, product of the time. Uh, yes. <laughs> 12 Angry Men is a about a, a jury going in for deliberation on a murder trial of a 18-year-old boy who is charged in the first-degree murder of his father, which at the time, or wherever this is set, looks like New York City. It is New York City. Um, it was the... I looked it up. Um, at least in the play world, um, it was a... If he is found guilty, it is death penalty, no matter what. Right. And so when I say product of the time, I mean there's no women, right? Yes, all men. Uh, it is all men uh, as all women. white men. Yes, as um, women and uh, people of color were not permitted to serve on juries, which, yes. I mean, as 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 <laughs> as far as racism goes. Yeah. This is the best deal, right? Because it's like, cool, I don't have to do that. That's neat. Because I probably wouldn't have been able to either because my mom is Hispanic, so I don't know. Um, but anyway, don't matter. Yeah. So uh, I would have been like, cool, can I play that card every time I get jury duty? It's like, oh, I'm sorry. I, my, my mom is my mom's Mexican. I can't, I can't do it. And they're like, oh, how did you even get in the building? So uh, anyway, so... <laughs> so anyway, in the, the the film essentially is um, if you don't count the opening um, few minutes, it is in real time. Yes, and it all takes place in the jury room. Mm-hmm. So the film is essentially um, a an argument. You believe at first that it's a slam dunk he's guilty whatever right but then our hero and hero of many films at this time Henry Fonda juror number eight says maybe he's not which you know I found that so interesting that you know when they took their preliminary vote just to see where everyone was standing and he votes not guilty you know he even says way back in the beginning I'm not sure if he's not guilty yeah I just think we should discuss it. Yeah. You know, and like I was saying, this is definitely a product of the 50s because mm-hmm. all of these men are 100% no. He is guilty. Yeah. They don't want to talk about it. No. He's guilty. And it just. And as the movie unfolds, we find out there's so much evidence to say that mm, no. Maybe he's not. He's not, you know? Yeah. Um, and. And so it goes on from there. And one by one, he convinces more jurors to say he's not guilty. Um, and they made a mistake, I think, in the film by saying the word innocent because that's not what – that's – there's a reason why it's guilty or not guilty. And um, it's guilty he, until until proven innocent, It's right? innocent until proven guilty. But it's um, – but really the reason it's not guilty or innocent is because 
there's reasonable doubt, mm-hmm. but you can't be 100% on either side. So you right. would just say not guilty. Right. Right. And so uh, they do say innocent in there once or twice. And I'm like, mm, eh, it's just not guilty. If we're if we're going, you know, by accuracy te- or right. technical standpoint, eh, innocent, pump the brakes. But anyway. Yeah. Um, so it has some of my favorite performances. Mm-hmm. Um, Mr. Cobb. Excellent oh, performance. Christ. I know. Dude, uh, he was. You know, we'll get there. We'll get Jack there. Klugman. Jack Klugman is one of my – and he was actually – because I was a huge dork in high school and we saw this my freshman year. Uh, he was actually the only person I knew in the movie because he has done several Twilight Zone episodes. Uh, now, Jack Klugman, he was the um, the gentleman that grew up in the slum. Yes, okay. that's Jack Klugman. Okay. Yeah. Uh, some people might know him from the TV show The Odd Couple. Um, <sighs> but for me, he will always be – um, the guy from the Twilight Zone because he was in I think three episodes and they're all amazing. So well, the original Twilight Zone was awesome. Yeah, I've been meaning to watch the Jordan Peele one. I've heard it's oh, it's I've, right. I've heard it's terrible. So oh, all right, uh, all right. but anyway, so uh, I was really excited to see Jack Klugman because it it kept my attention because um, and of course I would have been into it anyway. But I was like, oh look, it's that guy from the Twilight Zone. Oh my god, and um, and of course Henry Fonda, amazing. Right. Yeah, you know, and I what was really capturing my attention was how Henry Fonda began to not necessarily deconstruct the evidence and the narrative, mm-hmm. but to you know, peel back the layers. Mm-hmm. And that's when I was like, oh, okay. And then, you know, especially when they're like, why wouldn't the attorney talk about this? Right. Well, he was court reported. Maybe yeah. he knew this was an open and shut case, so he wasn't even a try. Mm-hmm. You know, and just peeling back the layers was what keeping was really keeping me. Yeah, engaged. it's it's looking at things from a different perspective and actually putting some context with these actions, like like when you said uh, he was court appointed. Therefore, we can assume maybe he wasn't uh, could afford a lawyer, right? Or not only that, because we know that we just know that maybe that court court appointed lawyer didn't want to try, maybe. You know, he's new at this. Mm. Maybe he thought he was guilty, so he didn't want to try. And that's putting context with these actions and giving reasons behind them. Right. You know, and that's what... Critical thinking. That's what Lee J. Cobb was killing me with. (laughs) Like, just every time he would talk and be like, now why are you saying all this stuff, huh? And like, and it... it, Because it's so 50s in that mentality of... Like, you're right, you're, you know, I'm right, you're wrong. Mm-hmm. You're saying this because you're twisting it mm-hmm. and not thinking it as looking at it from a different perspective. And maybe that's because, you know, we're living in the 21st century mm-hmm. and we have, you know, we, you know, it's kind of instilled in us now to look at things from different angles, to understand different perspectives mm-hmm. Than it was in the twentieth century. You have a point because Lee J. Lee J. Cobb's character he drives me fucking crazy. Well, he is the more, you know, I would say he's not two dimensional, but he's the closest to it than everyone else. Because even the other gentleman, the guy with the glasses, yeah, the other gentleman. His motivation is he's racist, right? Oh, the oh yeah, when he gives that monologue. And oh, it's crazy, right? Even Lee J. Cobb is like, mm, you're on your own. Yeah. <laughs> you know, 
which which is nuts because you know um, obviously this is a progressive liberal movie where it's showing that that's wrong, right? Because no one else in the jury room agrees with him. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really love the shot where everyone is standing up and has their back turned to him mm-hmm. or not looking at him. Right. It's really cool. Um, it's almost surrealist, right? Because no one's moving either, right? They're all sort of it still and letting him. Uh, you know, reflect on what he's saying and sink into it a little bit and feel a little bit of shame. But it's the fact that no one's moving and no one's looking at him. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Lee J. Cobb's the one doing the most moving where he's just kind of rocking back and forth a little, looking out the window. Yeah. Um, I really love that shot. But it's Lee J. Cobb that I thought for a minute when I saw it the first time that his son, obviously that was his motivation, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's around... This kid's around the same age as his son is. Well, yeah, his son, he, I think he said he had just turned 22. Yeah, so, so around the same age. Yeah. And he is so mad at his son that he's projecting that onto this on this boy, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, the point that Henry Fonda makes is, you know, I'm not saying he's guilty or not guilty, but how can you so quickly condemn him? Right, send this kid to the chair. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, this kid's life is at stake. We should at least talk about it. Yeah. And I think one of my favorite things that they do that Henry Fonda does is the um, the walk. Oh, of the old man. Yeah. The the let's try it. Right. Let's let's um, let's experiment. Let's see, you know, if it actually takes him that long. Right. And I really like that. I really like the demonstration he does and the, you know, getting the diagram of the apartment and Mm -hmm. kind of mapping it out in the jury room. And that was really cool. I really like that. See, yeah. And that was something I really loved because I really loved that there was an older gentleman on the jury to offer this very sage wisdom. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, all the gentlemen on the jury are of age, of uh, you know, and they're probably... Early 40s. I would say the youngest one would be my least favorite character. Jury number two? Yeah. Yeah, I fucking couldn't stand him either. And his fucking voice. Is the only one need cough drops? <laughs> oh. oh, no, that guy I liked. Oh. Um, no, I couldn't stand no, him. No, that guy I liked a whole lot. It was jury number 12 uh, that I couldn't stand. He was the... Oh, um, the, the, the pitch salesman yeah, guy? Yeah, yeah, the salesman. I know I liked him. Now, see, him I couldn't stand because um, he was really obnoxious. His jokes weren't funny. And he was and he was laughing at his own jokes, things like that. You know, it was driving me crazy. Yeah. Well, and I noticed every time he... He thought for himself he didn't wear his glasses. Mm-hmm. But when he was kind of following, he would put his glasses back yeah, on. Yeah, it's almost like, you know, he's he's putting up a front, right? He right. is he is, you know, being, you know, a follower with his glasses on. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but of course he flip-flopped a lot, blah blah blah, whatever. Yeah. Um now the one who really doesn't give an explanation. Right of why he's voting the way he is, uh, changes his mind. Doesn't doesn't say why, and is really following the majority. Is the foreman juror number one? Yeah, I did. I, yeah, I noticed that because when yeah. they did the preliminary vote, he he was yep yeah, he's guilty, and then when they kept doing their votes, he voted guilty, and then it was towards the end where he was like, not guilty. Yeah, and he doesn't explain. Mm-hmm. And no one asks him to either. And it's it's sort of strange because he is quote in charge. But he does. But he follows 
but he follows the majority, right? Well, and I and I think it, what it was, and I noticed it, and they show it very early on in the in the film, is they give him a lot of shit, mm-hmm. and I think at as he was just like, you know what? Talk amongst yourselves. I'm, yeah. I'm not. I'm, whatever. Whatever. <laughs> whatever, man. Because you know, because I think it's 20 minutes in, they were already giving him shit. Because. Mm-hmm. I want to say it was Lee J. Cobb. He was like, you know, so why are you getting all steamed at me for? Yeah. And then Lee J. Cobb was like, why don't you just calm down? He's like, you don't tell me to calm down. Yeah. He was like, I'm being calm. You know, so I right. think at that point he was just like, whatever the fuck. It's, yeah, it's, it gets really tense, uh, obviously. Well, um, and, and I love that there is no AC and they're having to use the windows. It drives me crazy. So I forget how hot I get. When I watch the movie, because they're sweating and it's, you know, it's miserable in there. Well, and, you know, and that's something I learned very early on at a young age is uh, when you get hot and you're already in a bad mood, it exacerbates oh, it. Absolutely. And it, it ramps you up. And I can attest to that. I have gone from, you know, slightly frustrated to blistering anger yeah. because of the heat it's and, hot. and it's something yeah. was some tiny little thing like i remember one time in high school i think i dropped like my pencil and my floorboard and i was trying to go home mm-hmm. and uh, this was during a time where my mustang didn't have ac mm. so it was already hot <laughs> and i oh and i just fucking went off and i was like yeah, but yeah, and I and I love that. That's what was ramping all of them up too. It's mm-hmm. it's the heat. A lot of them want to just get out of there. And <clears> what's and funny is that once it starts to cool off and they have to turn the lights on, it turns off. The fan is connected to the light switch for the lights. So when they turn on the lights because it's starting to rain, the fan actually works, mm-hmm. right? Um, uh, well, I thought they turned. No, they did turn the lights on. That's right. Yeah. Because they didn't need the lights on because it was, you know. So sunny. Yeah. yeah. Dude. I know. Man. So that you bring up an interesting point that this would probably be a different movie if it was snowing outside. Yeah. Than if it were in the middle of the summer. Yeah. Because, you know, in the 50s, there's no good insulation. You know. Yes, they'd all be. <laughs> so anyway. And then, of course, you know, some of them wouldn't have their reasons to leave, like the uh, the gentleman who needs to go to the baseball game. Yeah, uh, juror number seven. Yeah. Yeah. Um, who I had a hard time with mm-hmm. as well. So, okay. Juror number two, the guy with the glasses and the cough drops, couldn't stand him just because he couldn't stand his voice. Oh, no, I like that guy. So every time he opened his mouth, I was like, oh, my God. Lee J. Cobb was just pissing me off just because of how stubborn he was. Yeah. Um, which, as I told you off mic, I was actually screaming at him. Mm-hmm. And several times when uh, Henry Fonda proved him wrong. Mm-hmm. It's a little embarrassing, but you know what? It's all right. <laughs> I, like, flipped the screen off. I was like, that's right, bitch. <laughs> um, like, the, like the part when he proves, when Henry Fonda proves, like, you know, we all say in our daily lives, I'm going to kill you. Oh, yeah. And we don't mean it. And then when he sets him off, oh, I'll kill you. But you don't mean it, do you? And it, like, he kind of oh, was like, I was like, yeah. ah, ah. Finally, yeah. And, uh. I don't know if she listens to, but uh, shout out to our buddy Alex's girlfriend, Emily. Emily, yeah. I was like, ding, ding. Ding, ding. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And, you know, it's. it's, (laughs) Jesus. Henry Fonda is obviously the most rational of everybody. And 
and I love how they kind of explain his rationality mm-hmm. in 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 the scene where he goes to the bathroom mm-hmm. and he talks to the the guy with the baseball tickets, and he was like, oh, "Are you you a salesman? I'm an architect." Yeah, and I was like, "That makes sense," you know, because he's got this kind of swagger and calmness about him that not all the other gentlemen have, mm-hmm. you know. I don't know. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, that he's an architect, and he's one of the few where we get to know his name yeah. at the end. Him and the old man get named. Yeah, eight, juror eight, Henry Fonda, and juror nine, the old man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they give you, yeah. Yeah, we, I like we, that. We get to know their names. Uh, we don't get to know everyone else's, uh, at least not a lot of them. Uh, we get to know some of them, but not all of them. Um, so, all right. Let's do some behind-the-scenes stuff. So this is Sidney Lumet's first movie. Sidney Lumet would go on to be a tour de force of the film industry. I have some of his movies written down right here. Here we go. Dog Day Afternoon. Oh, we talked about that one. Serpico. We didn't talk about that one. The Verdict. I think I know. And his last film, Before the Devil Knows You're Dead. Oh, you also talked about that one. Yeah. So I'm a big fan of Sidney Lumet. I think he's great. Uh, and this is his first movie ever. Um, okay. He had directed some TV stuff before that, uh, but this is his first feature debut. Okay. Um, and <laughs> Henry Fonda loved him. He thought he was great. Uh, it was actually Henry that was like, we got to get Cindy Lumet to really? be the director of this film. Well, and I saw that Henry produced the movie as well. Yeah. That's funny. Because he's, I mean, he's a gigantic star at this point, mm. you know. And he, Henry Fonda passed away in the... 80s? Uh, 70s? Yes. It was after, on obviously, it was after on Golden Pond, but it was probably well, very I know Lee J. Cobb that. passed away in the 70s. I think I read like like 20 years The last after. person to die was Jack Klugman. Jack Klugman died in 2012. And as of 2012, he was the last... Cast member. Cast member. Uh-huh. Last person on the production, I think, because <laughs> Cindy Lamed had, uh, had died already, too. So, oh, okay. Um so, yeah, anyway, so Jack Clubman was the last to die. I don't know who was the first or whatever. I don't know the it's order. probably that old man. Uh, yeah, probably the old man. You, <laughs> I mean, you would think, right? Right. Um, but anyway, so, yeah, um, and the only problem he had had was the, the backdrops. So uh, Henry Fonda hated the backdrops, the windows. Uh, oh, okay. Because he's like, they're cheap, they look terrible. And he was like, he had just uh, done a film with Alfred Hitchcock called The Wrong Man. And he goes, Hitch... He had great backdrops, man. What's up with this shit? You know? <laughs> but during the premiere, um, Henry didn't finish watching the movie because he hates watching himself on screen. But before he before he left, he went to Sid. He goes, Sid, it's a masterpiece. I got to go. <laughs> he goes, this is so great. It's, it's great. It, I got to get the fuck out of here. It's magnificent. I'm leaving. You know? Enjoy uh, the movie. Tell yeah. me how it is. Yeah. Um as he opens the door and the light shines he through. Gets, yeah, he, so he's like uh, a modern day example would be Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp doesn't even watch clips of himself. Dude, well, and Johnny Depp. Well, he's out of his mind. God bless him, but he's, yeah, he's out of his fucking mind now. Yeah, he's he's out of his mind. So. Uh, I, I want to say, I think his best movie he did, and it wasn't even, he wasn't even the, the main character. 21 Jump Street. When he reprises his character yeah, from 21, from 21 Jump, Street. Jump Street. Do you think that's the best movie he's ever done? Recently. Oh, okay. I was about to say. No, 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 no. No. Better than Johnny. Early Johnny Depp is fantastic. But in the 2010s, it's probably one of his best movies. Because, you know, he. Sidebar. You know, Uh, he only agreed to do that if they killed his character. Because he didn't want to do it again. 
Phil Lord and Chris Miller asked him, like, would you be really willing to make a cameo as your character from the show? And Johnny was like, yeah, I'd be willing. First, I want to have prosthetics on him the majority of the time. And you have to kill my character. You have to kill Scott. Mm-hmm. And they're like, okay, we can do that. Yeah. And so apparently when they put him all in the prosthetics, he would walk around not only set, but like, because they filmed in, I don't know what the fuck they filmed. I don't know. And he would walk <laughs> around and people didn't even know it was Johnny Depp. Again, people who were rolling their eyes, I apologize. Uh, <laughs> well, and apparently that's a thing of his is he wants as much prosthetics as he could get. Like when he did Dark Shadows. Apparently, they were only going to use, like, very little prosthetics, but he was like, no, uh, fix my nose, give me more arch nose, oh my God, extend dude, the fingers. You're killing me with this Johnny Depp stuff. Sorry. <laughs> the only reason I mentioned Johnny was because of <laughs> Anyway, his daughter's a better actor than him anyway. That's true. So, um, things about the... Uh, we're back to 12 Angry Man, by yeah. the way. Um, <laughs> welcome back. So... Uh, the camera uh, plays a really cool part in this in helping us build tension in yeah. that we begin the film at eye level and wide shots. Mm-hmm. But as we near the end of the film, we get below eye level and we get way closer. Right. right. I think we really start to begin this sort of uh, the shift when the old man votes not guilty. Yeah. Because we get that that close up of him uh, saying, "I voted not guilty," right? Mm-hmm. He didn't change his vote; I did, right? Um, and it really starts to build the claustrophobia as well because they've been in this room for so long, and it's really not that long; it's an hour and thirty minutes. But who cares? Yeah. So, jurors are in these rooms way longer than that usually. Oh yeah. So. <clears throat> um, if you were to compare this to an actual murder case, um, this would be like a record. <laughs> really? In, you know, voting guilty or not guilty. An hour and a half is nothing. Usually it takes days. Well, you so. know, and don't most trials of this nature that take six days before they let the jury deliberate, mm-hmm. don't they usually, um, like, media black them out? Yes. Oh, and that's a that's a really good point. So now newspapers, it's uh, sequestered. Um, yeah. Yes. Um, now I don't know about the rules then, if sequestering was a thing, because Henry Fonda even said that he went walking around, which is where he got the knife. And we'll talk about the knife in a minute. Yeah. Because uh, I think that's one of the coolest reveals mm-hmm. in the whole movie, is and that's where he starts to build this doubt. You know, this reasonable doubt um, in in the other jurors, mm-hmm. you know, when I guess we can talk about it now, who cares? So <laughs> when, you know, they're bringing the knife and the knife does look very unique. It's very different. Which I have to say, like, again, it's a product of the 50s because I know that when juries deliberate, they can see whatever evidence they want. <laughs> and he hands him the knife in no bag. I thought about that. I was like, oh, and the oh the God. only the only thing I, I thought because I did think I like that's really strange. But then again, it's done. I mean, they know whose fingerprints are on it. They know. I mean, it, it's sort of like you know you can do whatever you want with it at this point. Yeah. Right. So that didn't bother me as much. Although I didn't think about that. I go, oh, he just hands him the hands. fucking knife. Like, if anything, I would think they would still need to wear gloves with it. Mm-hmm. But again. They didn't do that back then, so yeah. who cares? It's like when I sidebar. Okay, my turn. <laughs> sidebar. I when you watch the Nick, um, 
uh, with Clive Owen. Uh, they're you know it's the night it's 1919 and they're washing their hands and stuff but they're doing surgery with their bare hands oh, right it's gross yeah and it just makes you so uncomfortable now because it's like dude at least put something on you know well it's it's like the joke that seth mcfarland makes in a million ways to die in the west when he's looking at the tiny little like shotgun or the bullet and the doctor's got blood all over his hands. He's like mm-hmm. touching the wound and he's like, so you're not a fan of gloves, huh? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I guess they don't, they didn't need to yeah, handle evidence like that then. But, um, but it was a good thing there was a tag on it, especially for yes. the reveal. So, right. Because uh, eventually it comes back where he picks up the knife and uh, Lee J. Cobb picks up the knife and he goes, you know, he was, he was seen with this knife and he, it was seen, he stabbed him with, and he goes, and the guy goes, that's not the knife. <laughs> and then, yeah. Then he looks at it and he's goes, like, ah, and he throws ah, it down. He throws it down. And he's like, oh, that's right. <laughs> you know. Well, and I had to rewind it. When the uh, um, foreman hands it back, yeah, I was like, well, I had forgotten he had done that. Well, and I didn't see the tag. I was like, oh shit! I was like, oh shit! He yeah. just, and then I re- I was like, oh no, okay, he grabbed the right one, right? Um, which would have been interesting if they had switched them on accident, right? Yeah, um, because they were identical. Mm-hmm. And I love that just Henry. That shot is so cool he where he stands picks up, it up, stands yeah. up, pulls it out of his pocket, flips it, stabs it. Like, there it is. And we were like, what? He goes, picked it up last night, cost $6. Yeah. You know. And and, and it's, yeah, it's the same handle, the same shape of the, yeah, the it's blade. The, it's the bad guy from Mulan shape. <laughs> Jafar. That's the only thing I can think about. Okay, here. Um, it's the bad guy from uh, Secret of Nim. His his sword is like that. Sure. I don't know what that is. But anyway. Secret of Nim. No. Well. So. Oh, sh- shit. <laughs> All right. So. <laughs> <laughs> I will leave. Um, <laughs> so anyway, I, I love that reveal. And that's when we start to build the doubt because mm. at first it was just words, right? No, uh, I just want to talk about it. Henry was just really – and um, I I get the feeling that he got when they started playing tic-tac-toe, you know? Uh-huh. It's like, who the fuck do you think you are? You know what I mean? And I ripped, I've done that to students before, um, being a sub, you know, the, some, some students still have this really high level of disrespect still. (laughs) And so, so what the fuck do you think? Give me that. You know what I mean? And so that drove me crazy. And that was also Lee J. Cobb as well. And so that's where you really start to amp your anger up towards Lee J. Cobb. Well, yeah. Cause, cause you know, cause Henry J, cause Henry Fonda sees him doing it and he, you know, grabs it and he rips, you know, crumples it up. He's like, this isn't a game. Yeah. And then Lee J. Cobb, you know, parrot, you know, parakeets him. This isn't a game. And <laughs> yeah. I'm like, didn't you say you wanted this over with? Yeah. So let the fucking man speak. Yeah. And uh, dude, he Lee J. Cobb was getting on my fucking nerves, yeah. dude. It was great. He was. It was a great character, and it, it, he's. It was a great performance. Yeah. You know. I mean, yes, I will attest to that. Like he was playing it the way he probably read the character or well, the yeah. script. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure the character was written to make the audience angry because oh, I was so, I was yeah. screaming at him. I was like, "You fucking idiot!" Yeah, um, <sighs> I I really liked that we got to see the kid first. Yeah, so dude, we, it does open in them in the jury box and the judge giving them the instructions and what they're meant to do and blah, blah, blah. Well, and I love that the, even the judge at this point is like, 
please make a decision because he's like, you know, hand on the cheek, like, you have to prove beyond a reason. And, and you can tell that he's done it a million times. Yeah. And he's so sick of telling the rules. It's like, it's common sense, just you know, whatever. But, uh, and then we get to see the kid, and the kid looks super innocent. So that, the way they make the kid look um, gives the audience reasonable doubt because we haven't heard everything yeah and that's and see and i and i love that they did that because you know you know because i knew the movie was about these jurors i didn't know what you know and and you had mentioned last week that you know they're on a they're delivering on a murder case mm-hmm. and i was pretty confident i'm like okay they'll probably vote guilty and you know and then yeah then i saw the kid and i was like Oh, There's no. no way that kid did it, right? <laughs> and especially when they they hold that shot on his face, yeah. and even have the the fade in, yeah. of his, and you could still see him, mm. and just his big wide eyes staring like directly, yeah. At, and they do make him ethnically ambiguous, so mm. you can just project whatever race you want, not only on him, but later on when you kind of forget what he looked like, mm-hmm. the dialogue doesn't pin him down with a specific something. They just say them and they and those people. Yeah. Yeah. The most you know is that he grew up in a slum. Right. You know, but you know, really anyone could grow up in a slum. Well, Jack Klugman did. Yeah. Right? Yeah. His character did. And he helped us, (laughs) which is awesome. So I was like, it would suck to live where Jack Klugman's character lives, but it's pretty cool. He says a knife fight every week. Well, that's kind of cool. Yeah, because uh, he he was showing them, you know, the proper way to stab someone with a switchblade. Yeah, and he was like, "That's why they open this way." Yeah, he was like, "It takes too much time to switch hands." To yeah, and he was like, "You would flip it and just yeah, just go." Yeah, you know. Um, well, and I love that Lee J. Cobb during that demonstration was like, "I'll show you how how a, a smaller man would stab a taller man." And just immediately uses Henry Fonda. Yeah, of course. Well, because Henry Fonda is very tall already, right? Yeah. But, but I love that, like, when he reels back, mm-hmm. people are like, whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. <laughs> I mean, which is kind of silly because, did you really think it was going to stab Henry Fonda? It's so silly. But, but I, th- I think at that point, you know, if we're looking at it from the character's point of view, every you know, this dude has already shown great contempt Right, and for it's him. hot, and tensions are building. And I get no. it completely. No. Um, but do now, you get it, though? I do. <laughs> because another thing I wanted to bring up was it's movies like this mm-hmm. that uh, that Henry Fonda plays the good guy. Yeah. That, which is so fascinating, and maybe we'll talk about it later on uh, down the line, um, is what makes Once Upon a Time in the West – so brilliant is because okay. Henry Fonda plays the bad guy in Once Upon a Time in the West and you're so not used to that because in every movie he's been in t- up until that point mm-hmm. he was this character he okay. was this you know very polite very nice very forward thinking very you know seeing both sides of an argument you know uh, you know he was the good guy and even in this movie, in very Western fashion, he wears white. Yeah. Right? Um, where everyone else isn't. Yeah, yeah, he's wearing an all-white suit and a black tie. Mm-hmm. Everyone else is wearing very dark yeah. colors. Yeah. yeah. And so uh, that even leads you to, oh, he's our hero. Right? Yeah. He's the literal white knight. That's right. Um, yeah. And so 
I love Henry Fonda. I think he can do no wrong. Uh, Jane's iffy, but I really like Henry. So yeah, you and know, Peter Peter's fine. I like Peter. <laughs> and Peter Fonda was in. Uh, oh fuck! What's that movie? I don't know. He's been in tons of movies with the motorcycles. <laughs> Easy Rider. Yeah, yes, he one. was in Easy Rider. <laughs> And then he indirectly, like, cameos as that character in Wild Hogs. One of the most important films of counterculture going into the 70s and leaving the 60s behind, and you didn't remember what it was. I'm (laughs) sorry. Easy right. I just know that, like, they keep... That Hollywood will not let Peter Fonda live that down. Mm -hmm. So, like, when he was... The Devil and Ghost Rider, which is an awful movie, by the way. It's a dumb movie, yeah. I um, was really... I had my fingers crossed you weren't going to mention Ghost Rider <laughs> <laughs> when I mentioned Peter Fonda. But, but but they do make him, like... I know. Essentially be that character in multiple scenes. Dude, the movie's off. They were playing it the other day at work, and I was like, why is that movie on? The movie's fucking terrible. <laughs> I was like, the best acting that Nicolas Cage does in that movie is the transformation sequence. That's it. Because he gets to go full cage. Exactly. So, <laughs> so as... <laughs> Much like a film that I had wanted to do for this series, uh, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Yeah. Um, so in that film, that film is used um, as a illustration for for salesmen. Okay. This is how you sell anything, right? Mm-hmm. It's used as a template, right? This film is used in companies for team dynamics and conflict resolution. Okay. Right? So, it's... I love that these films and these very dialogue-heavy, character-driven plays, like Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, right. and uh, Torbinger Man, are used practically for real-world situations. Right. Right. Now, um... Tell me they use the this version of Twelve Angry Men. Yes, they don't use the '97 version. Which, God, funny enough, uh, in Glenn Gary Glenn Ross, Jack Lemmon is in that movie. Really, and and he is also in the '97 remake of um, of this movie. You know, so like I mentioned last week, you know, Ashley's paw asked me if we were gonna, you know, compare. The 1957 to the 99. I don't even know if I could find the 97 one Um, if I tried. I know it's not on Prime, but dude, I watched the trailer, and I was I was mentioning off mic. It just looks awful. And by that he means aesthetically, it looks bad. Yes, the cinematography is bad, and I think it's because uh, they might have shot it on video. Well, yeah, Uh, it was 97. You know, so digital was. There are a few, and this goes back to Twilight Zone. There are a few episodes of Twilight Zone that are shot on video, and it makes it look like a soap opera. Like the cinematography looks like a soap opera, and it looks bad. I I don't like the way it looks, and it's because they don't shoot it on (laughs) film; they shoot it on video. And the other thing too is, you know, in the '97 version, they have a very diverse cast. Yes. Now it's still men, obviously, because. Why change the name of the play? Right? Yeah. <laughs> that would be silly. Angry people, people, right? Uh, there are African American um, actors in the and one Hispanic, Edward James almost. Oh, that's right. Uh, but in that still, one. I don't feel like it. You know, just from the trailer. Yeah. I don't feel like it would have the same power, and. <laughs> I don't either. And I felt like they probably had to make it very PC in 97 versus the 57 version. Mm -hmm. Because 
I mean, yes, the 57 version has some some racist elements, but as you said, it was very progressive because the characters in that scene and that in that part where the juror is just going off and now, about them. And now he's alone. So mm-hmm. if there were if this were a regular episode week, uh, I would have titled the episode 11 to 1. Right. Or 11 versus 1 because in the very beginning it's 11 versus 1 at the very end it's 11 versus 1. It's just the people switch. Right. Right. Um and and I think the film builds to that because with Lee J Cobb being the main source of antagonism, mm-hmm. if that's a word, um, yeah. because the the gen- the racist gentleman <laughs> is very problematic, but he eventually gives in, yeah. right? And you know, you know, after he gives this big speech about you know them and they drink and it's in their blood and this and that, it's horrible, yeah. and. All the other men, even Lee J. Cobb, are recognizing what you're saying is wrong. Yeah. And they all turn their backs on them and they all look away from him. You know, he goes and he sits in the – essentially sits in the corner. Yeah. And then when Henry Fonda is giving his final uh, kind of bout with mm-hmm. what, do you, what do you say? And he goes to the racist gentleman and he says, what about you? And he says – not guilty. Yeah, because I, like I think you're right that he he knows if I were to say guilty right now, they would they would have it in for me. Yeah, maybe I don't know. Well, I mean, yeah, and either either that or it's an unrealistic Ebenezer Scrooge 180. You know. Well, and um, sidebar for the movie, um, they say it multiple times, and I love it. Supposing, <laughs> I love that. I don't know yep. why. I've always. In any older movie, when they say, now, supposing I do that, I love it. Yeah. I love it yeah. so much. And I think it's probably because it's the Southern in me. I really like the um, the really quick speech, the, the syntax, the really quick speech syntax mm-hmm. of this era of films. Right. Right. It's sort of like a, a Humphrey Bogart or, <laughs> you know, it's, it's really quick. They talk mm-hmm. really fast. Like used car salesman. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> they, you know, it's it's this it's this fast vernacular that they that that they adopt, right? It's almost that mid Atlantic sort of accent too, which mm-hmm. is starting to fade away by this time. Uh, it was really popular during the the forties, yeah, um, and the early fifties, where it was an accent that doesn't exist, right? Yeah. It's a cross between American and British, and again they. Actors were taught to adapt it mm-hmm. to their to their characters, okay. no matter what, right? And it's sort of the end of that, but they kept the syntax and the speech patterns, mm-hmm. um, which I love. Which uh, again is why I love Aaron Sorkin so much, is because his characters talk very very fast um, and with purpose and with intelligence, and it's a tennis match, which is what this was. You know. So, um there's a scene I really wanted to talk about. Nagging. Okay. And it's the part where Henry Fonda's doing the the test of, you know, can you even remember yes. that far back? And, you know, yeah. and, and we we set up the gentleman with the, the glasses, the broker. Yeah. I think that's what we should refer to him as because, you know, when he's reading the paper, they're like, oh, you know, do you have you – ha- are you in the stock? And he's like, oh, I'm a broker. Yeah. Um. You know, and they ask him at one point, do you ever sweat? 
No, I never sweat. No. And then when Henry Fonda's like, you know, because the, the, the guy is saying how, like, you know, he couldn't remember the pictures he saw. How can you not remember the pictures under, um, you know, and he's like, unless he was under emotional distress. And then Henry Fonda was like, well, hey, you know, what did you do Monday? And then he tells him, what did you do this? What did you do last week? Well, I went to the movies with my wife. Oh, yeah, what did you see? Yeah. Well, we saw this movie and, well, give me a minute. Right. And then, you know. Are you under emotional stress? And you see that one bead of sweat. Dude, yeah, I was like, I was like, oh, you fucking got it. <laughs> Dude, like I said. He's I, also the only character not to take his jacket off. That's true. Um, and, and I really especially love how they how they switch his to non-guilty. Not yeah, guilty. Yeah, because he he again, he isn't he isn't not guilty for not guilty's sake. He's not guilty because he truly believes it. And he even mentions to Henry Fonda, you've made some excellent points. Mm-hmm. But yeah, here's c- what's keeping me on for guilty. Yeah. He, he's he's what Lee J. Cobb should have been. Because right. he wasn't bothering me. I'm like, okay, I get why he still thinks the young man is guilty. Yeah. You know, then when the old man hits him with the, you know, when, you know the lady, she had those same marks that you did. And that's when he was like. And of course, as a glasses wearer, I was like, "Yep." <laughs> and I left. He puts them on, and as he's putting them on, he's like, "Oh fuck!" Yeah, because he know he knows he lost. Not guilty. Yep. Yeah. Ah, oh, it's so dude. Because no one sleeps with their glasses on, except me when I take naps. Um. Well, and I love that. And it, well, I say love, hated that Lee J. Cobb was like, "Well, how do you know she doesn't sleep with her glass?" I'm like, "Oh my god, you stubborn yeah. ass, 1950s." bigoted fucking <laughs> douchebag. Dude, I'm telling you, I was screaming at the TV. <laughs> I'm sure our downstairs neighbors were like, who is he yelling at? It's old Lee J. Cobb. Yeah. And if Ashley's Paul or Mima listens to this, because I think they love Lee J. Cobb, but he was, oh, he was, mm. and especially, but I love how they reveal his motivation. Mm-hmm. Like you mentioned earlier, why he believes the young man is guilty because he's taking out all this anger that he has against his own son mm. who he hadn't seen in two years out and he's projecting it on this kid by you know when he throws his wallet down and he sees the picture of his son and he's like you rotten kids you you do everything for him and he rips up the picture and then it kind of cements in his mind right that, then he realizes you know his mistake in in putting these two together and saying all kids are terrible, you know, yeah. um, which of course is wrong. Um, all kids are terrible. Yeah, all kids are dumb. They're all uh-huh. fuckers. <laughs> but uh, yes, you were you were absolutely right. Um, that that is it's it's a really well done case in in establishing. Sort of. Well, it's it, it's that I, first few minutes where there are where the credits are rolling and everyone's coming into the jury room. Well, and I never, you know, and that never occurred to me because even when he tells the story, like, oh yeah, you know, because he's, when he's talking to Henry Fonda, you know, do you have any kids? Well, I have three. Well, I have a son. You know, this. You know, I saw him run away from a fight, and I said, I'm going to make you a man, and I did. And you know, and I it didn't click with me until that, and mm-hmm. I was like. Uh, I was like, that's why he's still holding on to this. Because he, dro- he drove his son away by, you know, like beating him and whatever, being probably emotionally and verbally abusive to him, whatever, calling him a, you know, a sissy or whatever for you know, and, running away from that fight. Yeah, and then he said, you know, when he was 16, we had a fight. Yeah. 
you know, and then he said, I haven't spoken to him in two years. Yeah. So it probably means when his son was old enough to go out on his own, he left. Yeah. And was like, bye. Yeah. See you later. Never mind. No, don't see you later. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's one of those, um, he never wants to see his dad again. And, right. and I love that even though Lee J. Cobb was defeated, Henry Fonda still takes time to get his jacket for him. Yeah. And help him put it on and like, okay, still to judge our verdict. Yeah. You know, and, it, you know, and it wasn't a, you know, huh, I won, you know, I got them. Because that's Henry Fonda, man. Yeah. You know, he is and then that the cool, good guy. And that cool interaction between him and Juror 9 at the very end. Yeah. Like, what's your name? Well, I'm Davis. Yeah. Ah. I was and like, then it was just a, hmm, right, see you later. Yeah. So long. <laughs> you know, and they'll probably never see each other again. No. Um, none of those men will. Yeah. So, all right. I think this is a good point in time to, to do a to do a wrap up. Yeah, to do a recap. Like, where are we? What have we learned? We've learned that the world is a horrible place. <laughs> uh, we have learned, you know, that um, you know there are different people everywhere so yeah. <laughs> um, nothing is black and white we have yeah we have gone backwards in time uh from yeah, I noticed s- that we went from 2017 2006 to 66 to 57 yeah yeah i did it on purpose um well and i knew we were gonna do a recap and so i went back and i re-listened to who was afraid of Virginia Woolf and Bug? I didn't get a chance to re-listen to Sunset Limited, Aww. but I did. I was listening to it a little bit mm-hmm. this morning because um, I wanted to remember what was coming out of my mouth. Right? Yeah. But yeah, um, this has been a, a very big learning experience for me. Fun, <clears throat> you know, because you know, I would say three out of these four movies I will watch again. And I even said on Mike, which one of those I will not watch again. It's Bug. It's Bug. Mm. I didn't want to say it. It's Bug. Ah, I like but that. I will rewatch 12 Angry Men. Because mm. like I said, it kept me very engaged. I was digging the pacing. I was digging the, you know, and, and I believe I've said it a long time ago, but uh, black and white movies are very hard for me to watch mm-hmm. because it's hard for me to keep my attention when there is no color. Now, I understand that that was the, just the times, you know. But, you know, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf and 12 Angry Men kept me very engaged and, you know, and I have a little bit more refi- like refined respect for black and white movies now. Mm-hmm. Still prefer to watch a movie in color, but, you know, I, I do want to see The Lighthouse. Yeah. You know. It's it's brilliant. I love the lighthouse. Um, you know, and you know, so going back to the Sunset Limited, you know, it really, I loved seeing that interaction between opposites. You know, mm-hmm. you know, like we may not agree on all movies, but you know, I'm like, eh, at least me and Jeremy aren't like that. <laughs> but I loved seeing this 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 battle of wits between opposites. Yeah, and then we have Bug. You know, really seeing the decline. Of someone's mental state, mm-hmm. you know, you know, and you can see movies, you know, like Joker, that you can see someone's mental state decline, you know, The Shining, but n- I don't think anything on that level of of bug, yeah, you know, 
And then, you know, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, like, really showing, <laughs> like, a 2019 toxic relationship in 1966. Yeah. <laughs> you know, a very toxic relationship that you, you stay together. And I think you said it uh, last week with, you know, the... the, the <sighs> I just I finished listening to it last night. I don't remember what you said about who's afraid of their relationship and who's afraid of Virginia Woolf. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there's so much animosity, but they still stay together. You know? Yeah. They they do truly love each other and yeah. care about each other. Under this all this anger and, yeah. and, and hate. Resentment. It's a very complicated relationship, which makes it a very real relationship yeah. because it's so complicated. It's not just a, you know – blanket two-dimensional they hate each other but we're not going to explain why they're still together we can still see glimpses of that yeah. throughout the movie that they do care for one another still and you know yeah and then and then in this movie kind of hearkening back to the sunset limited that nothing is black and white yeah you know i feel like this movie definitely apart from the sunset limited personified nothing is black and white yeah you know and I just thought of that as I was recapping everything. Oh. I was like, oh, hey. Oh. Hey, nose, nose. Um, so, yeah, I I will say, <laughs> you know, and I feel like you did this intentionally because our last series of 80s month, you know, we didn't really learn anything. Mm-hmm. We just had a, just a discussion of a, the appreciation of the 80s. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and this time around, we actually learned something, you know, the the more you know. The more you know. Is that how the star goes? <laughs> yeah, that's how the star goes. Right, now I need, um, now I need, uh, uh, what's his name? Reading Rainbow guy to come in. Reading Rainbow. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I loved it. Uh, I love the series. Good. And now you have unintentionally set this bar so high. Yes. Because now for, uh, you know, because like we agreed for each season, we're going to end it with a series. Mm-hmm. And season three is going to be my series. Yeah. So now I have to find a way to s- continue getting that bar high. Yeah. I mean, this Jesus. was, uh, yeah, I, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Uh, I'm glad that you enjoyed the films and you will see the majority of them again. Yeah. At I'll, least probably, 75%. I'll probably try to find them physically so I can own a copy. Oh, for sure. Um, I mean, cause you know, 12 all Angry Men I found on prime and all available on Blu-ray. Really? Mm-hmm. What about that 4K, though? I don't know about that 4K, but I know <laughs> that Blu-ray, they got them. Because the, the, the I have them. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, no, I definitely I definitely want to find them and own them. Because um, I definitely want to show Ashley who's afraid of Virginia Woolf, because I think she'd really like it. Cool. And she's seen 12 Angry Men. Okay. So she was really excited. Most people have. I, I would think it's a yeah. high school thing that most people watch she, in high school. Yeah, she watched it in high school. And she and when I told her I hadn't, she was like, you didn't watch it in high school? I was like, well, I guess I didn't take the right class at Midland High then. I guess not. <laughs> I did, did my you, sophomore year with Miss Van. What class was that? Um, I mean, it was just, you know, English 2. Really? Yeah. Well, it is a stage play, so yeah, that would make sense. Shout out to Summer Van. She was yeah. my teacher. If she's <laughs> listening. I doubt it. Yeah. <laughs> Now, I know Joel Joel's hogging on the bandwidth. I know. God, God, Joel. Come on, Joel. Come on, buddy. You should be running the website. Yeah. That's not made. Yeah. We yet. don't have a website. But Joel, make a website. <laughs> We're going to put your face on t-shirts, Joel. Yeah, Joel. Um, yeah, man. So, all right. Awesome. Stage to screen concluded. Con- Sta- that was fun. Stage concluded. Concluded. Stage to screen 
four-part series. That was fun. Um, now I, I pitched this to you that I wanted oh, – wow, that was a really loud page turn. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Uh, <laughs> that I wanted to um, pitch some episodes for next season. Right. And uh, I thought we could do three each. Um, and let's start with you. Right. Well, what episode, what what movies do we want to do? Now? And this isn't going to be all of them. This is just some. Yeah. Some ideas. Oh, yeah. That we and, might do. And, of course, some surprises down the line. Who knows? Yeah. And, you know, these may not be exactly, you know, they may not happen at the beginning of season three. But, you know. No. Uh, I mean, we can do whatever order we want. We're the boss. Go ahead. Uh, so, since you haven't seen it, <laughs> The Secret of Nim. I don't know what that is. Oh, my fucking God, All Jeremy. Right. So, okay. <sighs> it's based on a book mm-hmm. called Mrs. B- uh, Grisby and the Rats of Nim. Okay. I changed it to The Secret of Nim for the movie. The movie is... Oh, my fucking... It's so good. Is it, though? It is so good. All it's right. Got, it's got a fantastic voice cast. Dom DeLuise. I love Dom DeLuise. He's the only one I know. Oh. <laughs> I love Dom DeLuise. But as soon as you say Dom DeLuise, most people are like, yo. I'm in. Dom DeLuise? Dom DeLuise? That guy? Yeah, I'm in. All right. And he plays a crow. A klutzy crow. It, it, it's it's Dom DeLuise as a crow. And it's gold. So, okay. animated film. It is animated. Okay. Um, but it was one... What type that, of animal? Are we talking, you know, 70s, um, 80s? I don't know when Dom DeLuise died. So. Uh, he died in the early 2000s. Oh, okay. Well, then um, that leaves us with a lot of options. Uh, fuck. Hang on. Uh, 82. 82. Okay. 1982. Um, it was produced by uh, MGM. Okay, um, and it, it's it's kind of this it's the style of Mrs. Um, sorry, it was Mrs. Frisbee, not Grisby. It's okay, it's Frisbee. Um, it's a I refer to it as uh, scary kids movies because the animation <laughs> and what happens in it is is it sort of like a Watership Down sort of a thing. Um, oh, okay. I'm, I'm I'm not pitching Watership Down, although it's great. Um, <laughs> If you've seen Donnie Darko, it's the film with the rabbits they're watching. Oh, yes. Kind of. Yeah, okay. kind of that animation style. Okay, cool. And um, I haven't seen it, but I, I've seen it, – it's fantastic. My mom showed it to me as a kid. It scared the bejesus out of me, but it always stayed with me. Um, oh, John Carradine is also in it, by the oh, way. Oh, okay. Um, and one of the characters is an inspiration for a tattoo I want to get. I probably won't get it. Because the tattoo is actually meant for my grandmother, but it's the great owl. Mm-hmm. But how he's animated is very freaky. Cool. And so I kind of don't want to get it, but I do at the same time. But I don't want two different owl tattoos. Because one's for my grandmother. Mm-hmm. Anyway. So, Secret of Nim. Secret of Nim. And right. that's N-I-M-H. N-I-M-H. Anyway. So you, your 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 pitch. Okay. So I would like to pitch, and you will actually enjoy this one. Okay. Uh, because it is a Ryan Johnson. Actually, Ooh. it is a Ryan Johnson debut. It is Brick. I was about to say, was it? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Uh, just came out on uh, Kino, um, the Kino Lober series of Blu-rays. Um, finally got a Blu-ray release. Nice. Uh, this year, uh, Brick. Yeah, I love me some Ryan Johnson. I've been uh, screaming at people that the Last Jedi 
is a fantastic movie. Oh, and you see, I am the opposite, and I say Ryan Johnson is better. I have to defend Ryan Johnson because people hate nah, it so man. much. Nah, man. Right, the Last Jedi, dude. He was like, he's like, yo, Star Wars isn't a game. This isn't a game. What do you think this is? Luke Skywalker isn't a god. He's a man, and that's what he did. And then, every, and then all the fucking diehard fans were like, my childhood. So sorry. That's okay. <laughs> so Brick is brilliant. It okay. is a 1940s film noir set in a modern day high school. Uh, and when I say 1940s noir, I mean syntax, speech pattern, everything. It is what we discussed earlier about the Bogart films. And okay. the these high school kids are speaking in the way that Humphrey Bogart would in... The Dark Passage, or To Have and To Have Not. Um, and you forget after a while that they're in a high school. Okay. Um, until, like, they have to go to their locker or some bullshit. You know what I mean? It's gotcha. unbelievable. It's so great. Well, and, and I love Ryan Johnson. And Ryan Johnson. It's his um, directorial debut. So, awesome. I, and Joseph Gordon love it. And love some it. familiar faces from some other uh, Ryan Johnson films, such as Looper and uh, things like that. So, um, I'm very excited. That's I want to do that one. So go okay. ahead. What's your next? Uh, so my number two, another movie you haven't seen. Uh-huh. I know you haven't seen it because I mentioned it a while back, and you're like, you haven't seen that. The Crow. Oh yeah, uh, Brandon Lee. Brandon Lee in his final performance. This movie, not only is it a fantastic movie, I've heard it's very good, but it it set the stage for a lot of the rules that movies have to follow now, mm-hmm. especially with handling guns. Oh, it's right. because yeah. of this movie. Yeah. And I don't want to give it away. Um, I mean, I know what happened to Brandon Lee. Yeah. You know, if most people know what happened to Brandon Lee. It was an accidental death on set. Mm-hmm. But because of this, because of what happened on set, rules were put in place that when handling weapons... These are the rules, and it's, it's because of the crow. And so, not only is it significant to filmmaking, mm-hmm. but it's significant because Brandon Lee just gives his powerhouse final performance. Mm-hmm. I mean, and of course, you know, he didn't know it was going to be his final movie. No, but he just gives this fantastic performance and a great use of CGI. Okay, because the film. So he passed away, and the film was pretty finished, but they still needed some scenes they needed to do. And so what they did um, is they went in and they uh, filmed those scenes with his stunt double mm-hmm. and CGI'd Brandon Lee's face. face. And you can't tell. Really? It's really... I, Dude, okay. I, I've seen this movie at least 10 times. Mm-hmm. And when I realized that, I the last most recent time I watched it, I'm sitting there and I was watching like... Because it, it's 95? Okay. No, it's 94. Okay. So, you know, CGI's not... It wasn't that big. It wasn't that. No, but it could be done really well because, you know, Jurassic Park was 93. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. And so you could do it well if you had enough money. (laughs) So, And shockingly, The Crow did not have a lot of money because um, when Brandon Lee died, the original production company, um, I think it was also... I don't remember who owns it I now. Think it was, I think Lionsgate owns it now. No, uh, Miramax did it. Oh, okay. Um, but I think I think it was supposed to be 20th Century. Mm-hmm. They pulled out oh. after Brandon Lee died. They're like, nope. <laughs> but Miramax is like, hey, we'll help you guys out. Yeah, we we want to we want this movie to come out. Mm-hmm. And it's it's such a good movie, man. I've heard the sequels suck dick. Okay. Um, 
all of them are rehashes of the first one. Mm-hmm. And none of those actors, and some of them are, you know, and I'll talk about it whenever we do the episode. You know, a lot of those actors are good in their own right, but trying to replicate what Brandon Lee did. Mm-hmm. It's awful. That's why I'm kind of glad that oh um, Jason Momoa backed out of the reboot. Mm-hmm. Supposedly, they're still going to do it, but Jason Wouldn't Momoa... Wouldn't he be too humongous to be the crow? Isn't no. he supposed to be lean? Because, you know, I mean, Brandon in the comics... Is, it's based on a comic, okay. by the way. In the comics, from what I understand, there's no... The artist didn't give Eric, the character, like any physical thing, but... It's, dude, Brandon Lee set that bar way too high. Mm-hmm. And, we'll, you know, and when we do the episode, we'll talk about it. Okay. So, okay, your next one. Mine's a cheat because it's going to technically be, have to be two episodes, uh, but it's going to be the Man With No Name trilogy. Ah, uh, yeah. That's um, right. Yeah, we, we planned that for season two. We did, and we just didn't. We just ran out of time. Um, yeah. It's all right, though. Yeah, it's fine. So, obviously, Clint Eastwood... Uh, Fistful of Dollars for a few dollars more, and The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. And this is a very unique trilogy, and each movie is better than the one before it. Okay. Um, Fistful of Dollars is fine. Yes. (laughs) Although, if you ask my mom, uh, it goes really good, kind of good, excellent. So uh, they kind of, for my mom anyway, they kind of missed the mark with. uh, I, uh, every uh, the time two I, towers. I, every time I always say Twin Towers, and I know that's not right. <laughs> you know, Mrs. Blair, if you're listening, um, and I know that's not her last name anymore. no way um, she's listening. It's It it just ramps up. Okay. Anyway, sorry. So, yeah, I, I, I really want to do uh, the Man With No Name trilogy. I think that okay. it's, again, it's, it's that Italian style where... Spaghetti Western? Yes, which, again, <laughs> derogatory at the time. It probably still is. <laughs> You ever seen Spaghetti Weston? It's a fucking farce. That is my favorite rant of that whole movie. <laughs> Once Upon a Time in Once Hollywood. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, Shout out to Quentin Tarantino. Now, what's really cool, Quentin did do a little film, a little tiny film school there because... That, oh, oh the, the Italians would just have them speak. Yes, that is actually how they do it. And what, so Their language and then they would redub over. Yes, so besides Clint and a couple of others who are speaking English... Everyone else is speaking a different language, and they're having to be dubbed in English. Really? Yes. Okay. And so some are speaking Italian, Spanish, uh, German, whatever. It doesn't matter. It's whatever language they know, whatever language they speak. They get to deliver their lines okay. that way, but that's not what's going to be uh, heard. heard. Right, exactly. Okay. So that's interesting. The Man With No Name trilogy, very exciting. Uh it's it's a toss of which one's my favorite, but we'll get there. So we'll we'll get to talk about that in a two parter. Yes, which is fine. Yeah, we will have to do a two parter. Yeah, that one. Like, yeah. like we did with Back to the Future. Yes. Now, my final pitch. Before we get to your final pitch, this was really hard for me because you wanted because I wanted to talk about this one because you mentioned you'd never seen it, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, got to talk about it. But. I think this will be better just for me Uh because it'll get you to have to watch it. And I think you have seen it. I feel like we've briefly talked about it. But if you haven't watched it, it's going to get you to watch a Star Wars movie. Uh I want to talk about Rogue One. I've seen Rogue One. I had a feeling you'd probably I, seen I've it. I've seen it, and it was all right. I'll have to watch it again, I guess. It's um, 
Apart Thank from, God I could just borrow it from mom. Apart from the, or I'll let you borrow it. I have it. Okay. And I have it digitally. Digitally? Yeah, I've got it digitally many. and physically. Dog. Oh, oh my God. Dog. Get on my level. Holy shit. Um, oh, I have Disney Plus. So, <laughs> on, yeah, it's on Disney Plus. Oh, right on. Or is it? I don't know. Probably. Shout out Disney Plus. Um, <laughs> they don't pay us. <laughs> could you imagine? Oh my dude? God, we'd be so rich. Dude, we, we would have the best equipment. Not having to hang up uh, blankets. Yeah, no, no kidding. But we couldn't use any of the copyrighted music. Oh, mm-hmm. lame. You know, we'd have to use the, the 101 Dalmatian soundtrack specifically. I could get over that, maybe. <laughs> anyway, um, no, I just I love Rogue One because I know I probably could never convince you to watch an actual Star Wars movie. It would have to be original trilogy. I, I don't know if I could do the prequels uh, again. No Dude, way. the prequels you have to just you have to power through them. <laughs> But the sequels. <laughs> mm. Anyway, um, but no, Rogue One is probably my favorite outside of the the episodics because the episode which it ties into the episodic. Well, it, it does, but the episodic story is so refined mm-hmm. and it's so perfect in my opinion. And I know that's controversial nowadays. Controversial. Um, but Rogue One is so like I also enjoyed Solo, mm-hmm. but Rogue One just. <laughs> To me, I didn't see it as a Star Wars movie. I saw it as a war film mm-hmm. that just happened to be taking place in Star Wars. I do think that's why I like The Mandalorian so much, is that it's it's the man with no name in space. Yeah. Uh, we may talk about some really cool um, homages that um, The Mandalorian does to spaghetti westerns. Well, yeah, and, and, you know, and Rogue One was essentially supposed to be like... Um, the Korean War, the Vietnam War. Hmm. Um, That's interesting. I've done kind of homages because you know when they're fighting on the beach. Oh, right. and that makes sense. You know, but that, that's why I love Rogue One, and the story is perfect. You know, and it happens right before A New Hope, mm-hmm. which <laughs> makes the fight scene with Darth Vader <laughs> so much more insignificant in, Ro- in A New Hope because mm-hmm. you just see him go ham. Yeah. And then, oh, yeah, and then you immediately watch Rogue uh, A New Hope and he's like like when I left you, Obi-Wan, you were the teacher <laughs> and I was the student. Now I am the master, and they're just like <laughs> and, you know, and if you can get past that, you know. They're but, barely touching tips. And I know. And Alec Sir Alec Guinness is like oh, 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 and oh, like oh. Not, not really knowing what to do. And um now but, he uh fun fact, um it ties in with 12 Angry Men is that 12 Angry Men lost out to all their Oscar uh, nomination categories to uh, Bridge on the River Kwai, which it was, ah. of course. Yeah. But yeah, uh, Rogue One, um, because I know, like I said, I know I could never convince you to watch an actual Star Wars Probably movie. not. It would be very uh, difficult for me to do that. But so, you might change your mind after my next pick, but that's okay. Um, well, before you tell me your next pick, I want to tell you the one that I was going back and forth on. Okay. It was going to be Labyrinth. <sighs> that would be tough for me. Because <laughs> That would be really hard for me um, to get through Labyrinth. <laughs> because Ashley loves Labyrinth, and when we started dating, I told her I hated it. Mm-hmm. But then I admitted I'd never seen it. She's mm-hmm. like, then how can you hate it? That's and a really I watched good point, it, Brian. and uh, dude, David Bowie. Steals every single scene that he's in. He would have to because... Anyway. Now, uh, granted, the movie does come off a bit um, pedophilic because mm. David Bowie is hitting on a 12-year... Uh, a, uh, a 
13 uh, year old uh, Jennifer, Jennifer Connelly, Connelly yeah. who, uh, by the way, is gorgeous now. And and she's married to Paul Bettany. Yeah. For Christ's sake. Yeah. Um, she is. But she's still. She's pretty cute in this one, but wow. every time David Bowie is like. <sighs> yeah. But it's still good. And I, Jim Henson is. God bless Jim Henson. Okay. Okay. I, mean, I don't know if I would say God bless Jim Henson. God bless Jim Henson All right. and his fucking green frog. Okay. <laughs> Kermy. Um, <laughs> oh, Kermy. 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 Oh, All right. So now I'm I'm going back and forth now because I have Joker and M written down. Ah, oh, shit. Um, of course, M would involve you to read more dialogue. God damn it. Because it's in German. So, yeah. Um, Joker would be great because you know I I really do love that movie oh, very much. Actually, you know, and I just got it. I thought it was great. I would uh, love to rewatch it. Um, but I think I might uh, film school you some more. Oh fuck me! <laughs> <laughs> Which you know I live for. I know. So one of my favorite directors of all time is Fritz Lang. Um, he did M, right? We talked about this in the noir episode, didn't we? Yes, we did talk about M in the film noir episode. So I don't think I'm going to pick M for this pitch. I'm going to pick Metropolis instead. Okay, I'm down for that then. Because it would involve you to watch a silent film for the first That's time. Right. I've so, seen silent films and before. not just a silent film, but a three-hour silent film. Wait, is Metropolis is three hours? That's 2.40, yeah. What so, the fuck? Yeah. So I think that's what we're going to do. Like I said, back in those days, movies were movies overly are long. long now, or not long enough. It, his film, one of his films before this was Dr. Mabuse, The Gambler, and that's four hours. Uh, it's a little over four hours. So oh, it's, um, yeah, I know, it's nuts. So this one is not as bad. And of course, it's got phenomenal imagery. Again, this is going back to him being an architect. Well, yeah, you know, and I, I've seen scenes. Um, my first semester at Midland College, I took a composition rhetoric class, which what we talked about was not composition rhetoric. We talked more about like theories. Like mm-hmm. one of the assignments was how. Superman is an allegory for Jesus Christ. Oh. But then at one point we talked about Metropolis Mm -hmm. and he, I don't remember the professor's name, but he showed us some clips from Metropolis and it really stuck with me. So I've always been wanting to actually see it. It's it's very, it's, it's a gigantic film. And it's it's funny that you said that Fritz Lang is an architect. Mm Mm-hmm. Because in How I Met Your Mother, if you notice on Ted's wall in his bedroom, he has a Metropolis, he's got a Metropolis poster, poster in his uh, in his room. I didn't know that. And uh, Ted Mosby, architect, architect. Um, so <laughs> Mosby's designs. My so that would be my pick. Would be Metropolis okay. is my last pick um, for this pitch. Of course, there will be many other movies besides that. Yeah, because um, yep. well, now that we have a format for our seasons, finally, you know. So this is that's only six episodes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, well, seven if you're including the two-parter of Man with No Name. I don't. I I, I would think of it more as a as a volume one and two. Um, okay. So it's more of a Kill Bill situation, where it's it's the it's one it's episode one yeah. just split into two parts. Yeah. <laughs> okay, but then yeah, so that's six episodes. That's nine more movies that we would need for season eight. Yeah. Or season so, three. Wow. Just jumped. Whoa. Six seasons right there. Holy God, guys. I guess we're doing <laughs> this for a while. Um, we die. 
So, or until Disney buys us out. Oh, Disney. And then they can just have uh, voice actors who sound like us do it. And we're like, all right, talk about these movies. Yeah. Cool. We're going to go hang out by the pool yeah. with uh, John Chumps. Hamm. Yeah. Chumps. John Chumps. Hamm. John Hamm. Weren't you supposed to be in the New Mutants? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, John Hamm, I heard you got a Swede hog. Let me see it. <laughs> Please. <laughs> all right, everyone. Well, I think it is good to end season two and series uh stage to screen series um like we said it'll only be a couple of weeks of a hiatus and then we'll be back with season three and uh thank you for sticking around <laughs>